Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, a refreshing and captivating interview with top sports personalities and their connections to Chicago. They reveal some entertaining, memorable, and emotional stories, some you've never heard before. I'm George Hoffman, and please make sure you subscribe to Tell Me a Story I Don't Know on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is presented by Dynamic Manufacturing. Since 1955, Dynamic Manufacturing has a relentless commitment to quality and customer service when it comes to your automotive needs. They've been named General Motors Supplier of the Year 22 times. And whether it's remanufacturing, machining, electrification, motorsports, and much more, there's nothing Dynamic Manufacturing can't do. Find them on the web at dynamicmanufacturinginc.com. And by Raul Jewelers, who offer the finest in rings, bracelets, earrings, necklaces, and much more since 1982. They specialize in custom design, so if you're looking for that right gift, especially during the holidays, head to Raul Jewelers on Barrington Road in Hoffman Estates, and they're on the web at rawljewelers.com. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is also sponsored by the Polina Market, purveyors of the finest meats. Look for them at polinamarket.com and buy Vienna Beef, makers of Chicago's hot dogs and a landmark institution since 1893. They're located at viennabeef.com. This week we feature one of Chicago's most popular and controversial talk show host, Dan McNeil. I was the first employee. I, um, I laid the first bricks in the summer of 91. I had been producing Copic show, Chet Copic on uh, the late AM loop and the late Chet Copic. Boy, so many things in the book are late, so it absolutely was worth rolling dice for me. 
with a, a newborn at home to take uh, a 33% pay increase and get my own show, albeit, you know, when the transmitter was getting turned off at 445 that first winter, I had to take that opportunity. His career has been well documented. Dan McNeil made his mark at two Chicago sports radio stations and a rock station, compiling a legion of fans while also singeing management along the way. His passion has been appeasing the listeners, giving them an abundance of enthusiastic talk, whether it was football or fishing. But Ryan's with his bosses and an eventual dismissal have also led to a new book detailing a life in front of and behind the mic. So, Dan McNeil, tell me a story I don't know. George, when I was a young adult, there only was a brief period when I considered something other than writing and or broadcasting sports for my vocation. What was it? In the Baptist ministry. It's true. When I was in um, my senior year of high school, a girl I was dating and very close to was a member of a Baptist church. And uh, my parents gave me freedom of religion as a very young man. And uh, I wound up gravitating as a 12-year-old toward the born-again thing, not the hellfire and brimstone thing, not necessarily Pentecostal type of uh, church that I attended, but um, I was in that, uh, in that group of people who believed in John 3.16, and that was the only way to enjoy a life everlastingly, and uh, when I was 18, I was considering going to Taylor University in Upland, Indiana, to uh, play both football and baseball while study Christian education with the ultimate objective to teach and also preach the gospel of the Baptist church. So what changed you? I think I, um, like, like many, I used religion on an, on an as needed basis. I think uh, I was searching for comfort anywhere I could find it during some painful experiences as a kid and as a young adult. And uh, at the time I was going through this period of contemplation about going into that sort of work and that sort of commitment to that lifestyle, um, I was going through my mother's death. So having that at my disposal was, uh, was convenient at the time, but as so often has been the case with me, um, things change and things fade. We move through phases of our lives. I should say I move phase through phases of my life relatively quickly. And uh, I realized that was not something that, uh, that I wanted to do. And um, I obviously went in another direction and I, I, I have zero regrets over my decision to put that, to put that notion in the rear view mirror. You know, when this first airs sometime in September, maybe October, you will still be, I believe, on the outside looking in when it comes to radio. So do you fancy a return or will we hear you via a different venue? I will join hands with you and so many others in the world of podcasting. And there is an over the air opportunity that I'm going to, that I've taken. That's at uh, WJOB in Hammond, my hometown radio station, two hours on Friday afternoons during football season. For 26 weeks, it's Danny Mac's Friday tailgate. Yes, I'm back. I've said that a few times over the years, and uh, 
It has been so long. It is good to be back because it's football season, and that's what the Friday tailgate is all about. A lot of enthusiasm has been expressed over this show's launch today, and uh, I thank you for sticking with me because I have done some things over the years that have merited you saying goodbye, and uh, you have returned. You have continued to fill the building. It's two hours. All it is is college and pro football. That's right uh, up your alley. It sure is. So, but no, I mean, only club shows, as I like to say. And that's what everybody in sports radio is playing these days. They're playing club shows. Our average quarter hours used to fill Wrigley Field. In a real good era, real good show, they might fill Soldier Field. But uh, you don't see that anymore because of all of the on-demand listening combined with a lot of other reasons why sports radio is less essential than it was a while back. Did you miss radio? Because I know there are a lot of listeners who miss you. Then again, there are a lot who don't. I must have done it right then. (laughs) I miss the guys. Like Sinatra said, after the Rat Pack blew up for many years, I miss my guys. Uh, Whether it was the last show with Parkins and Chris Tannehill and Shep and Shane Reardon and Mitch Rosen or or any show at any point when it was taken away from me or when I walked away from it on my own accord. I always miss the guys with whom I did it. Um, I got nothing but affection for those who sailed with me. And uh, I'm lucky that way. That's an Eric Clapton quote, by the way. Cheryl Crow made it a better song. And um, I didn't miss the content. I didn't miss the stage. I've been tired of the stage for, for almost 10 years. But I missed the buzz that that happens every day when guys get together, especially doing afternoons when you have those texting sessions starting early in the morning and uh, conference call at one during the pandemic era. And I miss that. And I, and I miss the fraternity that happens with our audience when, uh, when the show is in the air, when the plane's in the air and people are having fun and they're sharing their feedback, even if it's negative, I miss that give and take. Um, do I miss radio? I miss the people who did it, and I miss the people who received it. I don't miss making it. And yet, your career ended in words aimed at a female reporter for ESPN. Mark Greco's career at Channel 7 ended in similar fashion with a flip comment about a female anchor. So tell me a story I don't know, Dan, whether you think political correctness has gotten too political and too correct. It's too correct for me, but I'm not making the rules. Um, you know, comedy is supposed to be cruel. By definition, we historically have laughed at the expense of others. Hopefully those of us who, who fire those salvos and make those jokes can take it when it's aimed at us. I'd like to think I can and I have. Not so much initially, but as the years went on, I think I handled criticisms and even the harshest of criticisms better than most because I knew I was going to be one of those guys who was dealing it at a high, a high rate of volume and at a high, uh, high velocity. Um, it's an unfortunate thing that, uh, that guys have to spend so much time thinking about what they know to be the available and funny home run punchline, but you can't tip it in anymore. You just got to let it watch, you got to watch it bounce around on the rim. 
And by the time you make a decision to go for it, the ball's already in somebody else's hands. And that's an unfortunate way of having to do it. I read something recently Billy Crystal said about about comedy. And um, you should search that. It's very, very on point. And um, it's sad because uh, everything has become so sanitized. And in the case of my tweet regarding Maria Taylor in September of last fall, it was about her fashion. It was not about the fact that she is a female reporter. It's not about the color of her skin, which is black. It was about the wardrobe she chose on Monday Night Football on ESPN, which was undeniably not what ESPN or other outlets had deployed in past years. It was unconventional at the least. I was guilty only of being old. I was not guilty of being a misogynist or a racist. For you know, it's funny. If you would have said that, say, 10 years ago, maybe 15 you might have gotten away with a slap on the wrist or a suspension. It tells us so much now about social media and political correctness. And to be honest with you, I see so many people making missteps today, some in which they deserve what they get, but they wouldn't have gotten it years ago. No. Oh, my goodness. You think about the the first years on Belmont Avenue at the score and um I talked with Terry Bores, my first partner there, and uh, your pal as well as mine, recently about those early days. There wouldn't have, you couldn't have gone a month, maybe even a week in 92 that first year without one of us getting fired. <laughs> and that's, that's, that might even include Dan Jiggins. Mm, I didn't mean it the way you took it. <laughs> it's crazy. But uh, so I guess all of a sudden, those jokes are not funny. All of a sudden, the Archie Bunker show, All in the Family, was a bad show. I'm not, I'm not buying. Um, and I think there are things certainly that have crossed lines over the years. But uh, in my case, it was a commentary about her fashion being a little too saucy. That's well, bad. No, but think about, I'm, I'm just going to go back to the score days for a minute. Uh, think about Mike North and Hug a Jew Day. Think that could happen today? <laughs> I don't know. There's only <laughs> one Jewish guy in this conversation. <laughs> well, political correctness would probably say no. I wouldn't mind, but who knows? This is, of course, uh, a podcast which can be heard anytime. So if you happen to decide to listen to it, for the first time or second or third on January 2nd, 2022. It'll be the 30th anniversary of WSCR The Score in Chicago. Good morning, everybody, and good sports to you, and welcome to an historic day in Chicago broadcasting history. The Score, Sports Radio 820, WSCR, is the first ever all-sports radio station in Chicago. Just when you thought you've heard everything there is to hear about the NBA championship and the Bulls' third straight NBA championship, we're here to tell you you're wrong. I'm Dan McNeil. And I'm Terry Bores. And that's right, Dan. We'll tear the roster down. We'll tear it up. We'll tear it apart. And then we'll start all over again. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. We were both original members of this station, as was Terry and Pappy. And it still thrives. And you've written a new book chronicling your life and career. So tell me a story I don't know. What is the most important aspect of your book? What is the most important aspect? That's a really good question. And I, I don't know if I'm going to have a really good answer for it. But what I wanted to do was for those who were with us 
those who consumed it when it was a daytime only product in in 92 and until we flipped to 1160 five or six years later and then ultimately 670 was take them behind the curtain so they could take a peek at what it was like uh, you know as a startup outfit um i called it the little engine that could because that's what it was and to diamond broadcasting management's credit they hit a home run with mike north and as you know for about two three weeks i've been saying oh is he suspended he's got to be suspended i mean the guy missed basically the cubs white Sox series at wrigley he also missed the Boston Sox series, missed the Western Open, the World Cup, Wimbledon. They hit a home run when they hired a, a losing his mind Mike Ditka to do a weekly show in that first Bears season of 92, ultimately proven to be his last after a 5-11 and 11 finish. Well, Neil, I tell you what, what you are, I can't say on the air, but I tell you what, I'm 53 years old, and I, 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 my office is at 250 North Washington. Anytime you want to meet me there, you call me back on the air. You tell me what time and when, and I'll whip your ass. They spent that money on Ditka, and it was timely because of his behaviors. And what I wanted to do was take people behind the curtain to show them just how, how <laughs> grassroots level it was. And while management has taken a lot of bows over the years for what it did to birth Chicago's first radio station, we were the goddamn St. Louis Browns on so many levels. We we went on the cheap on everything. We they, they wouldn't purchase computers for producers to communicate from their studio to the host studio until we were a good six, eight months on the air, if I remember correctly. Judd Surratt, the voice of the Bruins, used to tape index cards to the glass mm -hmm. to let i remember i know larry himes is holding on line one you know uh, patio <laughs> steve is in bowling brook wants to complain about the Sox bullpen it, it was it was crazy and it was only a daytime signal which cost them less than seven figures to purchase it uh, they went on the cheap on everything and it was it was like pushing a snowball up a mountain as mike murphy would uh, would say about it at the time. And um, very few of us had radio experience, but it didn't matter because uh, there were some stars who really vaulted that radio station into prominence. And I give North a ton of credit for being front of that list. Listen up, OEMs. First impressions are lasting ones. Dynamic Manufacturing's impressive complex in Hillside, Illinois, includes nearly a million square feet of operating space. I had a chance to view some of it, and I was overwhelmed by the organization, technology, and dedicated workforce. Dynamic Manufacturing provides solutions for engineering, manufacturing, machining, and logistics, and they can re-energize your electric and energy storage systems. They can machine any project, no matter the size. And when it comes to motorsports, they're your trusted partner for chasing podiums with their custom torque converters. Dynamic Manufacturing is your one-stop for all your remanufacturing needs, and they can't wait to engineer a custom solution for getting maximum value from experienced parts. Dynamic Manufacturing, where there's nothing they can't do.
The easiest way to hear more great guests on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is to follow me on social media at George Offman. That's O-F-M-A-N, just one F, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. We return with Dan McNeil on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. We're talking about the early days of the score. What was it like for you? And I mean, before the station went on the air. I was the first employee. I, um, I laid the first bricks in the summer of 91. I had been producing Copic show, Chet Copic on uh, the late AM loop and the late Chet Copic. Boy, so many things in the book are late. It's remarkable. And Seth Mason, the vice president of the score, contacted me and asked me to come on by and, uh, and talk with him. And I had a ton of respect for Seth with what he did with WXRT. I was an XRT fan going way back. And um, I, wanted, I wanted away from Chet and I wanted my own show. So it absolutely was worth rolling dice for me with a, a newborn at home to take uh, a 33% pay increase and get my own show, albeit, you know, when <laughs> the transmitter was getting turned off at 445 that first winter, I had to take that opportunity. Uh, you know, and for five months, I shined a chair with my ass, interviewed would-be producers and built a sound library waiting for us to get FCC approval on the purchase of the call letters WSCR from a station in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And I should note Tom Share and I started on the same day at the score. It was the day before our birthday. We were both born on August 27, not the same year, but we both started working at the score on the 26th of August in the summer of 91. Tom was more involved in a sales capacity. So it was, it was tough because there was a lot of big news happening in 91. Um, Magic Johnson's announcement, he had HIV. Mm -hmm. There was a switch in general managership uh, with the Cubs. Uh, I want to say there was a switch at, at that time, but um, there were several big stories that broke. And just being on the air during a bear season, it was it was tough to not be on the air in bear season. And they did wind up a playoff team that year. And there have been oh so few of those since. It's interesting to note, by the way, as you're talking about when you were hired, uh, the last hires before we went on the air were myself on my birthday in late December and some guy named Mike Greenberg. I don't know what he's doing these days. So here you are trying to establish yourself while settling in with a partner named Terry Bors. And I say this with all due respect to you and others, someone I maintain is the best sports radio host in the history of the city. And while then you have this guttural speaking Chicagoan named Mike North became the station's lightning rod, as you mentioned uh, how important he was. There are a lot of egos, Dan, packed into this tiny building at 4949 West Belmont, which already housed the popular rock station WXRT. Those had to be some rather tense times. Well, they were and they weren't. The, the space we had available to us, as you just illuminated, was so tight. It was it was tough to get away from one another. And I think maybe in some bizarre way, that was part of what built us um, a union. Um, we, we knew that we were fighting a lot of things, the daytime frequency only, not being downtown, which made us to a very large degree, at least it did with me, feel like we're, we're got to play in the big leagues. What, what, what are we doing over here by Foreman High School? We got to get in the concrete jungle and, and play ball with the big boys. And, 
I think it, it, it unified us. I, I think the print media's quick rush to write us off right out of the shoot motivated us. And I think it brought us together. We rooted for each other. Um, Mike would show up at uh, McNeil and Boar's remotes. I would show up at North and Jiggett's remotes. And, uh, and others did the same thing. We weren't the only two who did that. We were all pulling at the same end of the rope in the early era of the score. That changed. Ultimately, petty jealousies ensued. Uh, a couple of guys got paid a lot of money while a couple of the rest of us, all of the rest of us, were kind of scratching our asses saying, what the hell did that, what just happened? Um, but, uh, you know, bless them for that. And, uh, you know, when it all was broken up in 99, when um, I will contend forever North successfully convinced management, and I've called Mike on this on the air, to restructure the station. And he and Jiggets were split and Terry and I were split. To me, that was, that was the end of innocence in, in sports radio and, and certainly changed the way. I, I think it was the first time of several along the way in almost 30 years now, times when the score lost its way. That was, that was the first really big mistake the score made with its, its lineup. And you could argue there might have been some other ones prior to that. The construction of the bull and the bear was not brilliant. Uh, the show with the late Norm Van Leer and late Doug Buffon, that was, mm -hmm. that was not a good idea. And uh, especially knowing Norm and how he would come in most of the days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, boy, man, I, I picked the right time to do mornings in my career when I was done with all of that shit. <laughs> I, mean, I couldn't imagine have, uh, have attempting a more attempted a morning show in the nineties. Are you serious? I mean, uh, no, I, um, I had habits just like Norm did, but yeah, that was, that was not a well-constructed show. Who doesn't love jewelry? Who wouldn't love Rawl Jewelers? Family owned and operated for nearly 40 years, Rawl Jewelers offers the very best in fine jewelry and engagement rings, including mined and lab-grown diamonds. And they utilize the latest technology and offer jewelry repair on the premises. Rawl Jewelers has a glittering array of rings, necklaces, earrings, bracelets, and watches, and offers custom-designed jewelry on the premises. And if you have the most specific questions, Rawl Jewelers has four graduate gemologists on staff. With over 200 years of combined experience and expertise, it's no wonder Rawl Jewelers is one of the leading shops of its kind. This is where my wife and I got our wedding bands many years ago, and it's safe to say, when you walk in as a customer, you're going to leave as a friend. Rawl Jewelers is located at 3001 Barrington Road in Hoffman Estates, right off I-90 West. Rawl Jewelers, when only the very best will do. I want to get back to uh, Mike Ditka. Tell me a story I don't know. What was it like to have him and how he led to arguably, to this day, still the most famous segment in the station's history, Who You Crappin'? 
One of the things, Mike, that's been pointed out over the course of today and last night after the game is that you seem resigned to the fate after the game, that there wasn't much fire in you, and you sort of stood up before the media and said, well, you know, this is the way it is. We, uh, are you resigned to this fate? Is well, you're, you're the same guy that wrote about me when I did have the fire, that that was the wrong thing to do. So who are you crapping? Well, I'm just Don't asking. Which, me which no, 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 no. Yeah, Mike was best described many years before I knew the coach by Jim McMahon as Sybil. And uh, for those of you millennials, that was a fictional character who had multiple personalities. Ditka has and had multiple personalities. You can catch him on the wrong day. You can catch him on the right day. And uh, as much as anybody I knew associated with the Bears, that was Mike Ditka. And when things went bad and they tumbled in 89, and they did again in 92, our first year. It was to our advantage to have him because he was gone. He wrote off all of the local media other than his Sunday presser following the games, except for his show he was contractually obligated on with us at the score. He did that show on Tuesday afternoons and every TV station in town, every radio outfit, they were lined up outside the doors just to get B-roll of Ditka walking in the restaurant. So we got enormous exposure and it was who you crapping. Uh, he said to Terry Bores, uh, well, you're the same guy who wrote about me when I did have the fire that that was the wrong thing to do. So who are you crap? Well, I'm just that don't crap me now. No, no, no. Whose idea was it to take that and turn it into a segment? Was that you? Yes. <laughs> hey, just want to clarify. And, you know, Terry was upset about that show. He didn't want to walk back into the lion's den with Mike again because he knew Ditka didn't like him. Only person who disliked Terry more than Ditka was Diana Ditka, um, who once called Terry a CSer. Um, mm. um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I'm going to keep it clean, okay? Let's sanitize it a little okay. bit for the politically correct world we're living in. But Mike wouldn't talk to, or he, he, that was, you know, when I had him the one day and he denounced ever, you know, being friends with Ed Obradovich, who had presented him with enshrinement in Canton, his best friend as a player. And I don't know OB. Uh, the guy at Canton who presented you, biggest mistake I ever made. Greg Landry, you might recall that. That season, his offensive coordinator refused to be dehumanized on the sidelines on television for a Monday night game. So he went up to the booth to call plays. He went upstairs for the first time just so he wouldn't be on Monday night football getting hammered by the coach. And uh, Mike lost his mind that season. And, uh, and he got fired and... Um, wound up continuing to be a pretty valuable contributor to the score for years to come. Think about this for a minute. There are must-listen shows, and there are must-listen segments. And for a number of years, Who You Crappin' was absolutely a must-listen segment. You know, it, it was for so many, and I get it, but... When you count on your audience to provide the punchlines, you are really playing Russian roulette, and in, unless it's off the chart terrible, and it's, it's so bad it's good. Terry and I wanted to discontinue Who You Crap, and about five years after it was born, we thought it had run its course. Um, we got tired of it. Um, 
but it was it was sponsored it was a t-shirt it was a billboard it was it was largely identifiable with the radio station so no way management was going to let us discontinue that but uh, so we had to find ways to make it better and we had to solicit more of them via fax machine <laughs> remember the barrett's home theater fax machine i do yeah so, which which used to beep in your studio while you were trying to give us two minutes on the Dow. <laughs> what about the pitching? But yeah, who you crap and uh, and it uh, it lived a long time, uh, probably a lot longer than it should have. And I, I I came to understand why a guy like Elton John got tired of playing Crocodile Rock after ten years, or why the Stones got tired of playing Fill in the Blank. You, you get tired of the sameness of it all and you're ready to move on and create that next thing. But um, it was certainly something that at that time was very, very well received by our audience in an era when callers participated and made good programming contributions. That era has passed. I just remember some with great monikers as well. People that you almost counted on because they were always good. Yeah, there used to be occasions when I'd look up at that computer once we finally spent a little money for one and, and <laughs> Irish Bill on the Northwest Irish side, Bill. Raphael from Berwyn is out. Uh, you know, Father Mike has thoughts up on the North. <laughs> Everybody, yeah, it was, it was, there were a number of star callers, Vandy and Oak Park. There was a ton of them along. You see those names go up, Reverend Watkins. Um, Bobby from the West Side, our resident poet. How about Cleveland Mike? Cleveland Mike was one of the legendary callers who actually dated back uh, to the Copic days. He used to call wow. Chet and me, as well as Wild Bill in Hyde Park. Yeah, it was a real cast of characters. It was a real, it was a real good contribution to the shows, George. And and I don't know if management quite got that. I, I'm not sure they did. When I first suggested Listener Appreciation Week and bringing in every day one of our best callers for an hour or two, if they were if they were going strong, I was met with tremendous resistance. Well, how to work for Howard Stern with his whack pack over the years? How did how did and you can't say this today, but it's what he called him, Gary the retard. How did that work out? How did Sal the stockbroker work out? For Howard, these people became celebrities and brands in their own right for picking up the phone and calling a show host they liked. Ever been to the Polina Market? If not, what are you waiting for? It's been Chicago's premier market for the finest meats and much more since 1949. Their steaks are top of the line, but there's also chicken, fish, and those mouth-watering sausages. And you might spend hours just perusing their frozen food section, all made fresh. And now the expanded Polina Market offers beer, wine, and sandwiches. It's become a one-stop shop, making your in-store experience well worth your time. And you can still order online. I've been shopping here since 1984. Polina Market is simply the best and conveniently located at 3501 North Lincoln Avenue in Chicago. Check them out on their impressive website at polinamarket.com. No one, I mean no one, does hot dogs better than Vienna Beef. That's because they've been doing them since 1893. Imagine biting into a delicious all-beef Vienna hot dog dragged through the garden which includes 
yellow mustard, onions, relish, tomatoes, sport peppers, pickles, and celery salt, and just try that and one of their Polish sausages. Vienna products are available everywhere, from your supermarkets, restaurants, the ballparks, and zoos, just to mention a few, and you can purchase them online at ViennaBeef.com. And look for their farm acres, chili, mini bagel dogs, condiments, and classic deli meats. Take it from a guy who was weaned on, then sold Vienna products. It's the mark of excellence since 1893. Find them at ViennaBeef.com. Think about it. There were some extraordinary moments during those early days, especially when you guys were all on the road. Tell me some stories I don't know, or perhaps in this case, I might, about some of those moments. To many people's surprise, one of my hangout pals on the road over the years who I enjoyed more than many was Dan Bernstein. This is the story I'm reading about the guy that got mauled by a bear because he was over in the bear's lair trying to feed it. And now they're wondering if they have to shoot the bear. No, go to the hospital where that guy's in critical condition and shoot him before he recovers. Yeah, that's what I would do. That... Because he was going to feed the bear. Yeah, It's a bear. It was, uh, it was not uncommon for Bernstein and I to run as, as, as frickin' frack by ourselves to, uh, to different places, like his first gentleman's club of his life. And Dan Bernstein can take the fun out of a strip club, too, by doing a sociological <laughs> examination of the event. But uh, <laughs> we were in Salt Lake City. And I don't remember which Bulls title it was, 97 or 98. It doesn't matter. But we were in Salt Lake for, for both. And Dan and I went out to, to get a buzz on. There were others with us at the time. But we continued our, uh, our high altitude session. And Grobstein was broadcasting in the same hotel room we were at earlier in the day, both Jiggets and North and Terry Boers and me. And... We basically took over Les's show while extremely inebriated. And I don't know what time in the middle of the night it was, but those who heard it described it as like they, they, they saw us duct taping Les to his chair. <laughs> put a gag in his mouth and just took a, we assumed control of his show. And we had no business behind the wheel of it because we were hammered and we didn't get in any trouble for it because it was, it was safe harbor. It was the middle of the night. It's really amazing when I think about it today, the producers in the early days and where they have gone, Judd Surratt, now the voice of the Boston Bruins, Jesse Rogers, who has really moved up the chain at ESPN, Jonathan Hood, who's doing well for himself, and I'm sure I'm missing some others. And so the way sports phone was for me and many others in Chicago and New York and Detroit, the score was for young producers who went on to have pretty good careers. You're, you're so right about that. And George, I think that is one of the most satisfying things that I've ever, ever experienced going through this is seeing other guys come of age because I had to, I had to do the same thing as a producer with, with Chet for three and a half years and I got my chances on the air right out of the shoot with Copic, but I also knew what it was like to make the agate pages and to schlep diet Coke for the guy. And, and to see those guys go on and accomplish that, a, a tremendous amount of pride is what I experienced. And when the Chicago Wolves were born and Wayne Messmer and Grant Mulvey called and said, tell me about Judd Surratt, should I hire this guy? And as much as it broke my heart, to lose Judd, who I fought for hard to get 
on my show when we started. I said, hire him now before somebody else does. Buck Saucer got to the near side, stolen by the Rose. High slot, the Rose. Right circle, Anderson. He scores! The turnover deep comes to Nifty Nick, and in it goes. It's Shorty, 2 nothing Wolves. I fought hard to get Jesse Rogers hired when when Ron Gleason and, and Tom Scher wanted Abby Polanski to be the front front end of the line uh, on that show. And, and she had more experience, so I understand the decision, but I had to fight to get Jesse in the door. Um, Jonathan Hood has done great. Jason Goff, years later, has, oh, yes. has done some pretty, pretty nice things. John Weideman was an intern for me with Copic. Yeah, uh, Georgie was probably 28, 30 years old. His marriage didn't work out, his first one. And he wasn't happy with his job in, I, I think he was in sales of some type. And he says, do you think I'm nuts for wanting to try this? I said, John, you're unattached. I think you're nuts if you don't, given your passion for hockey. I told him, you're not going to make any money. You're going to take a minor league job in some crappy city. They're going to pay you nothing. You're going to have to do everything and drive players to the doctor. And, and he wound up in Muskegon with the Fury. And uh, I'll never forget that day. I go to my mailbox to score. I don't remember the year, but I, I, I pull out a letter and it has Philadelphia Flyers return letterhead, Jay Weideman written in pen. And it was a thank you note for everything I did to encourage him to go into it. So yeah, to see guys and Matt Fishman would be another one mm -hmm. who, uh, who went on to do some pretty nice things in radio management to see them arrive is it, it becomes after you've been there a while, it becomes more satisfying than your own success. I have to tell you, I never thought the words towering line drive would live in infamy. I still get people referring to events as towering line drives on Facebook and Twitter. And that happened in May of 1994. And you and Terry were quick to take me to task on a Sammy Sosa homer, even though I have argued to this day that I'm right. Two to nothing Cubs in the bottom of the fourth. And it's Sosa's home run, a towering line drive in the first inning, a controversial shot. Third base umpire immediately pointed fair, and that's the George, only run which the was game. it? Wait a minute, hold on. Was it towering or was it a line drive? It's coffee and a towering line drive. You can't have it both ways. Oh, yes, you can. No, you can't. You can't have it both ways. Gentlemen, it was a towering line drive. <laughs> you can't be right it's a contradiction <laughs> idiot. it was one of those deals you know and we're still cutting our teeth and finding mm -hmm. our way as a personality radio station so when i heard it come out of your mouth i i, I hedged for a second do i wait until after the commercial break and come back and tear into no open the microphone and do it now. And you were at the ballpark, so we couldn't see each other. And you, you, you were so defensive of your, that you can ask Arnie Harris. <laughs> what does Arnie Harris have to do? <laughs> there's, there's no, a line drive is a ball hit hard and low. How can it tower if it's hit low? Well, because I have always maintained this, even to Hawk Harrelson, that if you're on a golf course and you take a driver and you hit the ball, you're hitting you're hitting it high and you're hitting it hard like a line drive. It's a towering line drive. 
<laughs> you're gonna go to your grave convention. <laughs> Think about your convention. You know, you sound like Carl Everett of the uh. Chicago Park, 2005. There were no dinosaurs. What dinosaurs? Oh gosh. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Tan McNeil, for telling me a story I don't know. My thanks to WJOB Radio, WSCR Radio, and producer Chris Tannehill and the Chicago Wolves for those terrific highlights. And to our generous sponsors, Dynamic Manufacturing, where there's nothing they can't do, and Raul Jewelers, top jewelers in the northwest suburbs on Barrington Road and Hoffman Estates. Come in as a customer, leave as a friend. Also, the Polina Market, purveyors of the finest meats and much more, and by the Vienna Beef Company, home of Chicago's hot dog and an institution since 1893. Join me again next week for part two with Dan McNeil on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. I'm George Hoffman, and that's all she wrote. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.